not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. And welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. We're going to Oregon. We are in Oregon talking with Adam Matar of Matar Pacific out in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we got Alan Hager and Trent Majors here on the program. How you guys doing today? I'm doing great. You're doing good? I, I love being here. This is always a great place to be on Saturdays. Reporting the news on health care and your government. That's right. Adam, welcome back to the show. Thanks again for uh, joining us. Um, Thank you, Sean. Uh, we were talking about uh, some innovation in health care. What are you seeing? Uh, all right. So artificial intelligence is going to change everything. Uh, it, more ways than we can even imagine, and this is a wonderful thing. Medicine as a profession is maybe 100 years old in this country, and useful data, like what we find in the electronic medical records, is, is still very new. There is a lot that we don't know, and there is a lot that we think we know, but we might actually be wrong about. And AI will help us uh, with these problems. They, right now, it's being utilized to help find correlations in the data not just between symptoms, but even between uh, the medicine that we provide and how we provide care. Uh, We're on the forefront of discovering secondary and tertiary uh, outcomes for for procedures, uh, for medicines that we have, uh, and so on. It's a very exciting time. But what's particularly interesting to me is the deep mind competition and the artificial intelligence that they use for that to basically beat the world champion at Go. And, and this is significant for a number of reasons, because it's unlike traditional artificial intelligence. Typical AI requires knowing having the answers in advance, and I'll get into why this is important for healthcare. So in order to build a traditional AI, it kind of looks like a data tree that, that says, if this, then this. So you can see why you have to know the outcomes in advance in that type of scenario. You can't build the data tree without knowing what the outcome would be to go on to the next if, then, the, if this, then this portion of the tree. So if you ask a traditional AI a question and it produces the wrong answer, and you ask it the same question again, it will still give the same answer. And that's, that's not necessarily a good thing in healthcare. What, what this artificial intelligence does, another AI that's like it that does not necessarily require knowing the outcomes in advance, um, it, it allows for healthcare providers uh, to potentially identify misdiagnoses early on. And so the difference there could be one misdiagnosis and changing direction versus misdiagnosing hundreds of thousands or millions of people. So the the potential in terms of improving the quality of the outcomes and potentially even saving lives I think will be significant at the end of the day with a new type of artificial intelligence that's coming into healthcare. 
What about like 3D printers and printing organs? Do you see that happening? Yes. Yeah. There, there's, there are researchers and healthcare providers uh, doing that right now. Uh, I believe I read recently uh, somebody did that with a heart or with uh, components uh, of a heart. And I, I think it's fascinating. And there, there's an image I, that I think was most popular in the media where you could see an ear on the back of a rabbit. Or, or, a, uh, or a mouse that they could then uh, put back onto a person. Hmm. We're at the forefront of a lot of technology that I think will make a significant difference in healthcare right now. So some of this stuff could, could really be, uh, along with maybe some of the biotechnology, some of the nanotechnology, inputting AI into, into some of those things, could really be you know, the next electricity to, to help us you know, actually have some, some terrific expansion. Mm-hmm. Certainly. We, we have the ability to simulate and scale with artificial intelligence at a rate that we, uh, we would not otherwise be able to do if it were just a, a team of, frankly, human professionals collaborating to analyze the data and, and to derive outcomes from it. The, and the speed matters. You know, if, if you have uh, a major condition, you you don't want to wait six months if you don't necessarily have six months. And the, the speed in which we innovate in healthcare could be the difference of life or death. Absolutely. So bringing in artificial intelligence to, to all of these aspects, I, I think, will make uh, a big difference in the, the quality of life for most people in the world, uh, the longevity of life as well, too. Well, Adam, wouldn't it allow us to really personalize medicine and 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 not only just cause a lot of prevention, uh, but just make you be able to live longer, healthier, because it's made for you. That's right. Yeah. So right now, uh, healthcare providers will will basically look at a snapshot of, of your condition, whether it's on a medical chart or if you're inside of a hospital. They'll, they'll look at what's available at that point in time. But they don't have a lot of history with you. They don't have, they don't necessarily have the time to read the history, or even the data is not even provided to them. So all they get is a snapshot when they walk in to read the data, and that's it. And so they base your probable outcomes and the, and the suggested care for you based on your demographics, and with a with a slight blend of your own personal data. It, it, it's part art, part science. Well, Adam, this is Alan. Sorry to interrupt. Um, there's a, a company based out of Portland called Acalex, and they've de- they they are involved in artificial intelligence. And I'm just wondering, since you're out in Oregon, if you know anything about them, because what they're doing is they've uh, created a adaptive learning tool that helps caregivers deliver care by providing guidance based on a patient specific profile. Mm-hmm. And so when, I, when we I talk about, go ahead. I don't particularly know the company, but I, I think that's a phenomenal tool. So um, imagine if 90% of the diagnoses that a doctor would provide or the recommended care, they already know the answer to once they get the information based on your demographics and based on your own charts. Well, if they already know the answer to it 90% of the time, to have a tool that uh, uh, that assists them in providing that those types of recommendations, that means that a care provider could focus on really high-value uh, care and problem solving that a machine still cannot do. It, it could potentially reduce, reduce or eliminate paperwork that a doctor has to do. Um, 
uh, unnecessary time with the patient. It can improve the access to care and improve the quality of care at the same time. Right. It puts the it puts the focus back on taking care of the patient rather than all the other things surrounding the patient. So, so Sean, from a, from a policy standpoint, how do we actually facilitate these types of things? Because to be honest, the, the ACA and those types of things, they are focused on the lowest common denominator. They're mm-hmm. not focused on innovation. They're not focused on, on new ways to move us forward. It's, it's focused on bringing everyone to even. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do from a policy standpoint to, to really facilitate this? Well, I think there has to be some sort of uh, incentive for innovation in the industry. And I think that's probably the best first step. And I don't know how you would make that, what that would look like, whether that would be well, you know, you know, tax credits or money. Well, it's kind money. Of, yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of like when we talked about the hospitals being, you know, given dollars for uh, con- converting to electronic medical records through the omnibus or through the, uh, uh, the latest you know, bill, the latest one, yeah. the latest bill, or through the high tech law, or through the affordable, the uh, uh, the uh, stimulus bill back in two thousand eight. You know they put money in there for hospitals to maneuver to sure. EHR. So I think that maybe something on the lines of that, or you know, when they were moving towards meaningful use, you know, some type of reimbursement or incentive. There just ha- there has to be an environment where people want to do a startup in Silicon Valley or wherever based on solving a problem in healthcare. Well, so and, I have a challenge for you then. What's look that? at the size of the healthcare as a percentage of the economy, and and look at other industries like say retail or shipping, and then look at the amount of venture capital dollars going into each one of those sectors. You're gonna dis- you're gonna find that healthcare has a disproportionately less amount of capital going into the innovation than other sectors. You need to figure out why that is. How do we get that capital off the sidelines, I guess, and and into into that industry? The the capital wants to go into the space. But they don't understand it because it's so complex. Well, it's not a free market system. That's part of the challenge. It's a command and control economy, and so you have to operate differently. The the challenge is that you, you almost have to deal with the incumbents. And with the current regulatory structure and then of course, the the negotiating power of Medicare and Medicaid. Again, I go back to where's the incentive to innovate? Well, when you have regulations that are killing innovation, you know, you're going to have, I mean, that's all about policy. That's all about right. getting the right people in the power to open up the free markets and the power of the American mind taking over and getting things done because we are the most innovative society on planet. There is a lot of opportunity. I mean, it's just like you said, it's so massive. Well, I mean, we have some real experiments. Oscar is a, is a company out of New York that is a startup that, that started because, you know, facilitated through the, uh, some of the ACA stuff and, you know, they're expanding. So, and, and they're growing pretty quickly. So we do have a couple of, of things happening um, I know in the PNC market that a lot of capital, to Adam's point, a lot more capital wants to come in, like it's dying to come in because it's looking at the size of the market uh, right. and going. Like you just need we a little. Can p- disrupt, yeah, yeah. We can disrupt this, um, but it's not as fun as creating a social network, I guess. <laughs> True. <laughs> hey, I, I I think it's a little more complex than that. The those startups that that have attempted to get into this space have found uh, it to be very challenging to drive innovation because they would go 
say to the to the main customers, the the incumbent systems that, that are involved. Well, what incentive do those systems have to adopt the innovation? It goes back to, to the policy. It goes back to um, who is paying for it. So let's talk about telemedicine as an example or, or remote medicine, whether it's over email or over a phone call. How many insurance companies, maybe even Medicare and Medicaid, I haven't looked it up, how many of them actually reimburse providers for doing that? Not many. Well, there you go. Okay. And in all likelihood, I would suspect, again, I haven't looked this up, um, that they're following the market that Medicare and Medicaid sets for what they buy. Well, and you're, you that's, hit the nail right on the head on that. It's Medicare and Medicaid that are setting the marketplace. And not the, the incumbents the are entrenched too. Yes. I mean, and yeah, there's so, no incentive so to maintain way, to fight the profits that they've got. To innovate, you 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 almost have to make the existing incumbents irrelevant in the space that you're entering into. Either you're providing care to uh, to a population that they don't see profitable or worth growing into, or or they find already to be at a loss for them. So they're, they're happy that you're entering that marketplace. Or you're opening up brand new markets that they're not even in yet. Well, and I would I would bounce off of that and say, you know, there are hospitals that may not be able to afford having, you know, large robots and artificial intelligence in their hospitals or their data centers. But, man, they sure can't afford the cloud. And it's really driven down the cost. And if you start to look at things like that, you know, at the end of the day, we need more innovation in those uh, areas. We need some innovation in robots' bedside manner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it going to be like the robot from Star Wars? That one had pretty good bedside manner. The the gold one. Which one was that? C three PO. Yeah. Really? The didn't gold you, one. <laughs> didn't you think it'd be, that'd be a good? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Adam. He's kind of whiny. I don't know. Right. Yeah. He's right. always been whiny. Well, maybe not then. Adam, any final thoughts here? We're running up the uh, end of the show. Thanks again for coming on. You know, I think it's an interesting conversation to talk about free market and innovation. They, they're more tied together than people think because it goes back to incentives and policies. And those that control the marketplace are the ones that create the incentives uh, for both innovation as well as, as for uh, quality improvements and price reduction. And it, it, it's a very complicated system. The U.S. healthcare system it, it does not operate like a free market, like other parts of our economy. And I, I think once people recognize that, they, they can start to better understand how to maneuver within it and, and understand why they can't afford, in some instances, to, to get the quality of care that they need. It, it comes down to economics, and it comes, it comes down to policy. Right. Well, that was Adam Matar from Matar Pacific. Thanks so much for joining us, my friend. Predictions, guys? Uh, yeah. At artificial intelligence, and as we've always talked about on this show, AI and IT are the wave of the future. And, you know, I saw an article. We've talked about hospital mergers, the one in West Virginia especially. Mm. Uh, the uh, legislature is actually looking at legislation to avoid the FTC uh, on that and uh it's cleared several regulatory hurdles here, so I would predict that that merger will go through and harm the people of Western West East, Eastern and Western Western West Virginia. I'd predict for the long term that our lives will continue to get better. You think so? Because that's the type Amen. of uh, species we are. That's right. Adapt and overcome through technology and other means. 
Through our brains. Through our brains? That's right. All right. And you did your part by improving your brain by listening to the program. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to check out America's Healthcare Challenge. Make sure to uh, like our Facebook page if you like uh, these segments during the week. And we will see you next time.